Hi, this is Pastor Tom, and I want to welcome you to week five, our last week in our study through the book of Joshua. What a great study about how God's promises can become real, can become familiar, become lived in our lives. And the question I have for you as we enter this last week is, how are you getting along with God's promises? Are they, to you, more like strangers? They're at the door of your life, but they haven't ever gotten into your house? Or they may be like guests. They're welcome in every once in a while, but they're only given the couch to sleep on. You don't really feel at home with God's promises yet. Or do you feel like they're family? That the promises of God are welcomed into your life with open arms. You're made at home with God's promises. They're made a part of your everyday life. We're talking together through the lessons of the book of Joshua about how to possess God's promises. How you and I can begin to feel at home with the promises of God in our lives. And last week, we talked about the first principle of possessing God's promises that we learn in this book. You have to drive out the enemy. This week, we get a chance to look at several more principles for living with God's promises, possessing God's promises. We're going to start with this one. How do you begin to anticipate God's presence in your life? When you learn that, you learn how to be at home with God's promise. Anticipate God's presence. Figure God's presence into the calculations of your life. If not, if you can't do that, All of his promises are going to seem unworkable, unrealistic, because they are based on his presence, his power. There's a contrast in Joshua's day that helps us to see our need to anticipate God's presence, a contrast between those who did anticipate what God was going to do and those who did not. I want to show you what happened in Joshua chapter 17 and then go back to Joshua 14. Joshua 17, we see the sons of Joseph, the people of Joseph, and in Joshua 14, we see a man named Caleb. Let's start with Joshua 17, Joseph's complaint. Joshua 17, 14, down to verse 16, says this. The people of Joseph said to Joshua, Why have you given us only one allotment and one portion for an inheritance? We are a numerous people, and the Lord has blessed us abundantly. If you are so numerous, Joshua answered, and if the hill country of Ephraim is too small for you, then go up into the forest and clear land for yourselves there in the land of the Perizzites and the Rephaites. The people of Joseph replied, the hill country is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites who live in the plain have iron chariots, both those in Beth Shan and its settlements and in those in the valley of Jezreel. Now notice what's happening here. These tribe of Joseph's coming and saying, we don't have enough land. And Joseph is responded to by Joshua. He says, you have enough land. You just need to clear some forests. You need to go and drive out the enemy. In verse 14, they claimed that the Lord had given them too little. They didn't have enough land. In verse 15, Joshua says, it looks to me like God has already provided. In verse 16, they say, you don't understand. And here's where the complaint comes in. This can't be the solution, what you're saying. There are too many problems. The hill country is too small. The Canaanites are too large. We want the land on the plain, they were saying, but we don't want any any enemies there. It is so easy for you and I to go down this path, to allow our problems to begin to become the excuse for not allowing God's promise into our lives. So we think, you don't understand. And God is saying, just listen, I do understand. In fact, we hear God's understanding and Joshua's challenge to these people of Joseph. He says in verses 17 and 18, listen to these verses. But Joshua said to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, you are numerous and very powerful. You will have not only one allotment, but the forested hill country as well. Clear it, and its farthest limits will be yours. Though the Canaanites have iron chariots, and though they are strong, you can drive them out. 
Joshua is telling them, problems cannot prevent God's promises. Open your eyes. Problems cannot prevent God's promises. There is a way to receive his promises. And the way is through the problems. And listen to what he says. Though there is a forest, you shall clear it. Though they have chariots, you shall drive them out. How about you and the problems that you face in life? Have you seen how God can work into your life, his promises, even through the problems? You are promised peace, and yet you struggle with anger. Though it is a forest, you will clear it tree by tree by tree as you trust God, and you'll come to a place of peace in your life. You're promised victory in your life, in your spiritual life, and yet you struggle with temptations. Though the enemy has chariots, you will drive them out. Clearing forests, listen to this, clearing forests and battling chariots are an inevitable part of receiving God's promises in our lives and thinking that somehow our lives are going to just fall into place without the clearing of the forest, without the battling of the chariot, mistakes how God's bringing his promise to bear in your life. The tribes of Joseph had to learn that. Ephraim and Manasseh had to learn that. Now, in contrast to these people who were afraid to take the hill country, let's go back to chapter 14. Let's look at a man by the name of Caleb. Listen to what happened beginning in verse 6. It's one of the great stories of the book of Joshua. Now, the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers, who went up with me, made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised to me on that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out, just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and he gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. You just have to love Caleb. In total contrast to these people of Joseph, Caleb says, I want the hill country. I want the greatest battle. You remember well, many of you, that Caleb and Joshua were the only two of the 12 spies that Moses sent out that brought back a good faith-filled report. And here they are talking in the land these many years later. And he's still saying, I want to take this land. Give me the hill country. Not reluctance, not compliant, not complaint, but confidence. Give me the challenge, Caleb says. There were Anakim, who were taller than everyone else, apparently. They were giants in the land. These were the very people that had kept Israel from entering 40, 45 years earlier. Let me at them, says Caleb. While the rest of Israel wandered 40 years in the desert in fear of these giants, you get this sense that Caleb walked those 40 years in the desert anticipating God's eventual victory over these giants. Let me at them. Let me. He'd been thinking this for, for over 40 years. Caleb's confidence 
was in God's promises. Caleb's confidence meant that God's promises worked even though there are problems. In fact, here was Caleb's confidence. Caleb's confidence was that God's promise means that the problems are in fact God's problems. If you could begin to see life that way, everything would turn around. That's how you begin to take God's promises into your life. You realize that God's promises mean that the problems are also God's problems. Now, what made Caleb different? What made him able to see it that way? I think it's in verse 12. The Lord helping me, he said, I shall do this. Caleb anticipated God's presence, and that anticipation changed the direction of his life. That anticipation affected every decision of his life. So do you anticipate God's presence, or is it just what you can do and how you can do it? How do you become a man, a woman like Caleb, who has this kind of attitude, this kind of heart? We look at verse 8, verse 9, and verse 14. This same phrase is repeated again and again. He followed the Lord his God fully. That was the rule of Caleb's life. That was the mark of Caleb's life. Caleb's trusting obedience resulted in this anticipation, this passionate anticipation. His anticipation grew out of where he chose to place his trust. So if you look at your life and you think, I'm not anticipating God's presence in my daily life, you start with trust. You start with trusting him wholeheartedly. You start with trusting him personally. God, I trust you above the problems. I trust you above the circumstances. What I'm saying is this. You have to commit to follow him in trust before you can begin to anticipate where he will lead. A lot of people want God to show us exactly where he's going to lead, and then we say, oh, now I'll trust you. You laid it all out for me and worked it all out for me. It doesn't work that way. If you're living the life of faith, you already know this. It does not work that way. You begin with a step of faith, of trust. You commit to follow him in trust, and then he shows you how the problems work out. So how are you getting along with God's promises? Are you living in fear of your problems? Are you living in a place where you're reluctant to begin? Or like Caleb, do you have a confidence, a trust? We all struggle with our confidence in the Lord. When you struggle, instead of looking at the problems, I encourage you, look back to him. Decide again to trust in him. Begin in a new way this day to anticipate God's presence in your life. Our Father, that's what we ask as we walk through this day to day. Help us to remember, to realize we're not walking alone. We walk into each situation, each circumstance, each problem, each opportunity, and you're there. So help us to live and to act in anticipation of your presence, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tomorrow, we're going to look at how we can act on the assurance of God's promises. 